Welcome into another episode of The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast in Music City. We are presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day and get your job started today by logging on to alacohardwoodflooring.com or you can email the founder, Jimmy Alaco. That's jimmyalaco at comcast.net. They are located right here in Nashville, Tennessee, so it's nice and easy for the locals. You can call 615-356-0303. That's 615-356-0303. Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Perfect floors, whatever your style. Welcome back into another edition of The Door Report, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. This is episode number 36. I am unfortunately not joined by my typical co-host, Will Byram. He's very busy uh, this Thursday evening. He's up there in Nashville. I'm broadcasting live down here in Naples, Florida. Will, unfortunately, unable to join us, but we're still talking football. We're still previewing Vanderbilt and Texas A&M. This Saturday night, kickoff is set for 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. You can watch it on the SEC Network alternate channel. So we got put on the alternate channel. Uh, I mean, A&M Vanderbilt, it's likely, you know, likely to be a bloodbath. A&M is 30 and a half point favorites. The over-under is 46, according to BetMGM there in Vegas. Uh, I mean, we're talking with Travis Brown a little bit later, and, and, and Travis, he covers Texas A&M Athletics for the Eagle out there in College Station, as well as AggieSports.com, and and Travis said if if A and M offensively, you know, plays up to their potential, this this could definitely get uh, get ugly quick, and 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 they 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 could definitely prove to be thirty points better than Vanderbilt. Uh, I'll talk with this, I'll talk with Travis a little bit later about uh, this matchup between Vanderbilt and Texas A and M, and it's an interesting one. I mean, Travis put it bluntly, you know, basically saying if if they play to their potential, if Kev- Kellen Mond can complete passes consistently uh, on first down and, and and move the sticks consistently. A and M's going to win by over thirty. I, and and my my point of view was, if Vanderbilt, uh, if their defense can play up to the task and 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 the secondary steps up, the offense is, I mean, for all I know, the the offense is a lost cause just due to the offensive line. I mean, Texas A and M, they are a legit top ten SEC defense with SEC speed. And this is going to be a tough matchup all the way around uh, for Vanderbilt defensively and offensively, even in special teams as well. It's going to be tough to get field goals off. It's going to be tough to get punts off. Uh, I mean, it's just going to be tough all the way around for Vanderbilt. I've got Texas A&M winning 35-14. to And uh, I started at 35-17, moved it down to 35-14. Uh, I think Vanderbilt will cover. Um, and, and you know, I, I, I just think w- with Vanderbilt's defense, I, I don't – I don't think they're going to be good enough to to make it a one score or two score game, but I think they're good enough to keep this from getting completely out of hand, you know. And if the offense led by Ken Seals and Ken Seals has been named the starter, you know, in the locker room, Derek Mason hasn't made it official, but Vanderbilt Hustler was on it. They're on top of it, and they reported earlier today on a Thursday, you know, leading up into game week against Texas A&M that. Ken Seals is the starter. He's QB1. I don't know who else would be QB1. I mean, he's a freshman. He's got some some Texas quarterback moxie, some swagger to him. I'm ready to see him play. I, I can't wait to see him play, watching a lot of his high school film. And we'll talk uh, about Ken Seals with Travis Brown coming up. But his his moxie and his swagger are, are the things I'm looking forward to watching, just his ability to run, 
Uh, he's he's no Johnny Manziel. He's no Baker Mayfield, but he's a big kid. He, he will take those hits. Uh, and taking hits in high school as opposed to taking hits against SEC speed is a little bit different. But uh, he's, he's, he's 6'3", 220. He's built. And uh, we'll see what he's made of. We'll, we'll see what he's made of real quick. We'll, I mean, week one against Texas A&M on the road against a top 10 team in the SEC, and not only in the SEC, in the SEC West. They're used to playing in the SEC West. So, again, Vanderbilt A&M this Saturday night. The Vanderbilt defense, they're going to be a whole lot better than last year. You know, they, they're they they're breaking in new several starters last season, uh, but this season a lot of them are coming back. They, they lost a couple of transfers, but, again, those guys that they lost were deep, and, and they were sort of drowning in the depth chart. But at the very least, I think this game, it's going to be very, very um, – you know, Vanderbilt's experience, very experienced with, with the top 11 tacklers returning and 26 of the top 28 back in the mix. You know, there's some size there with Dio Odengbo, Malik Langham, transfer from Florida. You also got Alston Orji, Anthony Orji. Brendan Harris likely won't play, but again, he's a guy to watch. Alan George also. Um, you know, you got guys there that uh, that, that are that there's some dudes. You get there's some dudes there on the Vanderbilt defense, and, but we'll see if the secondary can match up with the Aggie receivers. That's always the key. Um, the key on defense is always the secondary. The key on offense is always how the O line holds up, and that's going to be that should be a roller coaster. Uh, that's going to be fun to watch. A and M on offense, they're still going to want to control the clock, run things, you know, at its own pace and handle the tempo. But that suits their style. You know, it's not going to go 100 miles per hour. And that could suit Vanderbilt, you know, you know, just just playing playing just fine. So, again, Vanderbilt off defense should be in a lot better shape than the offense. They only scored 198 points all of last season, and they struggled to get to 14 points. That, that's they're not going to come out guns a blazing. There are a few issues on the AM offensive side, at least when it comes to depth. But the defense has the upside to be fantastic. So, the defensive line against Vanderbilt's O line is the key to watch. That that's going to be the key to watch in every Vanderbilt game this year. So. Again, my prediction, I've got AM winning 35 to 14. And Travis Brown is now coming up next. He covers Texas AM Athletics for the Eagle out there in College Station. He's also a contributor to AggieSports.com. Travis Brown coming right up here on the Door Report. I am now pumped to welcome into the Door Report Travis Brown. He is a reporter for the Eagle. And AggieSports.com, he covers Texas A&M athletics. And right now, the sport to cover is Aggie football right now. He formerly worked at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, as well as ESPN Dallas. He's also an alum of TCU, so not an Aggie alum, but, you know, TCU alum. And, uh, you know, he's he's, he's happy to, to be with us here, as well as I am. And, Travis, it, it feels like we're return, returning to normal a little bit as we look ahead to week one of SEC football. I, I can't believe it's finally back. Can you? No, I can't. Uh, you, you usually have a, a countdown clock, kind of count down the days, the hours, so you can get back to that press box and, and see some football back for the first time. This season, you kind of took it a day at a time. Maybe you <laughs> didn't get so excited just to not set the bar too high and, and have your, your uh, be disappointed in, in, in what COVID might bring. But we're, we're days away. Get in that press box. You know, see the football field. Pinch yourself because I think – I think we're going to actually have a football season. Oh, man, that feels so good to hear. And we finally got football back. And, and the SEC returning, it, it, it's a little bit more normal. You know, it, it feels a little bit more like, okay, football's back. We got the SEC. We got a decent slate, obviously, with Texas A&M and Vanderbilt kicking off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time there in Aggieland. And, Travis, you know, it, it seems as if each team sort of has their own way of attacking this pandemic. Vanderbilt obviously has been very stringent, very strict, you know, 
well under Coach Mason in their facilities. And and Texas A&M, meanwhile, Jimbo Fisher, you know, they will be without five of their players, uh, you know, due to uh, coronavirus. How has he, him and, and the Texas A&M coaching staff approached the COVID-19 protocols within their locker room and facilities from your perspective? Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's been as strict as anywhere across the country. You know, they uh, they they reported they they all went their separate ways, of course, through the through the spring and the summer. Um, reported back to campus at the beginning of June uh, when they had voluntary workouts. Everybody who came back in at that time was tested, and they had some rounds of testing through those summer voluntary workouts. When things started kicking up here, uh, short uh, close closer to game time, just as it has been with all of the SEC mm-hmm. schools and the the, the, the COVID protocols are getting tested three times a week, uh, Sunday, Monday, Friday. Um, and if anyone tests positive, they're going into, uh, as, as the soccer coach here at, at Texas A&M, G. Gurry likes to call it COVID jail, uh, <laughs> and for, for, for 10 days or 14 days because either of, of a direct positive test or contact tracing. And, uh, I mean, from every – A&M has been – very tight-lipped about what their their positive tests have been. We knew that after that first round when they came in for voluntary uh, workouts, that the, the, the direct quote from uh, Athletic Director Ross Bjork was something like uh, a handful of positive tests among all mm-hmm. of the athletes that came back. Um, and since then, all Jimbo Fisher has really given us is that they've done a good job. Um, the, there's been some positives, but they've done a good job of maintaining it. So uh, it's going to be one of those deals where you bust out your binoculars um, first thing when you get into the stadium on Saturday to see who's suited up, who's lined up, who's out there and who's not. Um, as, as I know, a lot of these schools who have already um, started playing have done a lot of reporters covering those schools have done. Yeah, you touched on it there. So far, five A&M players have decided not to play this season. And the two most notable were the, the more recent to announce their decision, uh, Jamon Osborne and uh, linebacker Anthony Hines. And, uh, you know, Jimbo Fisher, he, he said every player's exit, you know, caught him by surprise, no doubt. But you know, with a global pandemic going on and, and, and many, many other issues in the country that, that a lot of college football players are, are, are very involved with, you know, have been on their minds. So, so he understands as a coach who, who's been in this business for a long time, how impactful do you think those opt-outs, opt-outs will be and, and might prove to be, you know, throughout this season for Jimbo? Yeah, it was an interesting progression through the opt-outs. First, it was James Foster, who is a quarterback. Uh, he was mm-hmm. one of Kellerman's backups last year, really kind of took on the backup role last year so they could actually save a red shirt year for Zach Calzada. So even though he he was Kellen Mond's true backup last year for, for the mo- more time, uh, I think it was more of a, we're going to let you uh, take some of these snaps so we, we can save a red shirt. He, he was in the transfer portal, then he was back out, and now he's back in from what we heard, <laughs> but he decided to, to opt out through that whole process. The next was Elijah Blades, a cornerback um, who didn't really give – much of a direct reason on why, but of course everyone gets a, a free year this year if they want to, uh, mm-hmm. to opt in and out. Uh, Derek Tucker, a safety who was fi- found his way sliding down the depth chart at, at safety. He, he opted out and, and specifically said he wants to focus in on uh, issues regarding Black Lives Matter and, and uh, racial injustices and, and work towards that in his year off. And then of course you mentioned the two the two uh, most important ones. You have Jamon Osman, who is a senior or uh, uh, junior wide receiver on the um, that side of the the, the ball. He, he was going to be A and M's captain, veteran, uh, key guy in the wide receiver room this year. And the most interesting thing is, is he is Kellen Mond's best friend, roommate, and a guy that they played high school ball together mm. at IMG Academy. So. 
when you talk about the progressions, the step that Kellen Mond is going to make, Jamon Osmond's always kind of been in some ways his security blanket or a guy that he knows he has a connection with because of all uh, of that time in the past. Um, I, I, the, the other one to mention is, is Anthony Hines. Uh, oh, Jamon mentioned that he, he's uh, opting out because he actually wants to look ahead towards the 2021 NFL draft and just work towards that. Anthony Hines said he actually plans on playing football at the college level again. He wanted to step back because he had a family member who passed away um, due to COVID and also uh, he wants to work on uh, racial and social injustice issues while he's out. So there's like kind of a big uh, 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 smattering of reasons for mm -hmm. these opt-outs but yeah jamon anthony hines the two biggest ones anthony hines the speed guy on defense the speed guy at linebacker um and his guy who can go sideline to sideline buddy johnson while well, he he leads the team in tackles and is is definitely the 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 probably the stronger of the two he's not necessarily the speed guy in that offense and so they're going to need aaron hansford to step up and and hopefully provide a little bit uh, of, of that 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 pace um, on on the defensive second level, and we'll we'll see what those opt outs end up doing. You know, to A and M, obviously last season with an eight and five record, and you know, in, in the SEC West, it's 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 a grind. You know, conf they were four and four in the conference. That's that's not a bad year in the SEC with Jimbo Fisher, and you know, offensively twenty nine, nearly thirty points a game. For this offense, Travis, you know, with Kellen Mond at the quarterback position, they will be without Jamon Osmond, his, you know, likely his go-to guy this season. Who are some receivers that you expect to step up this season to become big targets uh, for, for Kellen? And then maybe what are some expectations for this offense? Because I think, you know, we can all agree last season they didn't play up to their potential. Yeah, you look two seasons ago, and um, even though Jamon was on the roster, it really was uh, – uh, Jay Sternberger, who now who's drafted uh, tight end now with the, the Green Bay Packers, um, who, who definitely was his security blanket and is in Jimbo Fisher's first year in this offense and and was the guy that that caught that led the team in in receiving uh, that 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 season. I think that Jalen Weidermeyer, who's a sophomore tight end now, could easily fit that same kind of mold of, of a guy who who has the athleticism to go up the middle um, and 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 make some big catches and and. and move the, the chains. Um, I think he's the first guy to tab uh, as being that guy. Another guy that I really like is Anaya Smith, um, who played slot. He's a sophomore. He played slot receiver last year. Um, he, he came into A&M as an athlete, so we weren't exactly sure where they were going to use him. Over the offseason, for the Texas Bowl last year, A&M's mm -hmm. running backs room was so depleted, they actually moved him back to running back and then decided to make that move permanent over the offseason. However, talking to his dad, talking to him, everything that they've been told since Anais came here was that he was going to be a guy that creates mismatches. He's fast. He has good hands. He's powerful. He can run the ball. So I could see him being a guy that, that yeah, he's going to be listed as a running back mm -hmm. and he will line up at running back a lot, but he, he could be moved out to the slot. He could be motioned out wide. He could be used on wheel routes, um, to pull a linebacker out and open up some room for Isaiah Spiller running up the middle. I think, when it's all said and done, Anaya Smith is is going to um, catch a lot of balls. Uh, and then Demond Demas, um, a true freshman coming in, just a freak athlete, a guy that A&M fans have been hyped about getting in for a long time because he's a guy who at every single rivals camp or or seven on seven or whatever he did, he was posting videos of him doing backflips and front flips and side <laughs> yeah. flips and dunking on uh, goalposts and and everything and just unreal athleticism might be one of the first true 
wide receivers true go up and get it high point mm. wide receivers that AM has had since Mike Evans. Seals, yeah, Mike Evans. Maybe Ricky Seals Jones. Yeah, Ricky yeah. Seals Jones wasn't always that that great at doing it. So mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a while since they've had a true go up and get it high point receiver. I mean, of course, the, the last great receiver they had was Christian Kirk, who's yeah. uh, doing things in the NFL now, but he was a possession slot kind of receiver a lot like what Osmond was so that he you would think from an AM fans perspective they might actually have that kind of true x type receiver out there um in Demondemus. I want to switch gears over to Vanderbilt now and their offense last season was maybe arguably one of the worst statistically in history they averaged 16 points a game 125th out of 130 teams in FBS they struggled I mean they to put it blankly they were they were a horrible offense but now they welcome in Ken Seals, the young freshman out of Weatherford High School, went out, out there in Azle, Texas, where, where you are, and you know towards the Fort Worth area. He's a, a freshman, big kid, 6'3", 220, three-star prospect by ESPN, but, but he, was, he was heavily recruited. He's the nation's 17th best pro-style quarterback, and you know, you're actually working on a story uh, you know, for him, on him right now for the Eagles. So what, what do Vanderbilt fans need to know about Ken Seals, and, and what can they expect to see from this young kid coming in and, and playing in his first game, according to the Vanderbilt Hustler, he will start Saturday night. Yeah. Coach Mason doesn't want that out, <laughs> but <laughs> it's out. It's out. You know, Ken Seals is the he's the guy. He's he's QB one. So what can we expect to see from this kid who who has definitely a lot of potential? Yeah, uh, it's a funny story. So I, I've been here at the Eagle for four years. Before that, I was at the Fort Worth Star Telegram uh, covering TCU and. Dallas Stars and a bunch of stuff up there. Uh, Fort Worth and for the for those of you who aren't familiar, Fort Worth and College Station are about three hours apart. Um, College Station is about three hours south yep. of of Fort Worth. Weatherford, Ainsley, that those are all kind of suburbs of of Fort Worth. Yeah. So uh, covering TC up there, covering one of their um, summer camps right before I made the move to come down here to to, to College Station, and I'm 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 getting coaches and um, some some other parents and this this dad bugging me and poking me, hey, you need, you need to write a story about this kid. And I'm thinking this kid who's going to, they're going to take me to show is is, is going to be some junior, senior, you know, what an offer from TC, whatever. No, we walk over during this camp and it is eighth grade. Or oh, seventh man. Grade, Ken Seals, <laughs> who had just come off of winning one of the dual championships up in Ohio, which is a big quarterback competition. Yeah. Um, and and he's a guy that, that just – Sonny Cumbie at TCU took a liking to early, and he was out at these summer camps throwing balls around Man, with the juniors and the seniors. That's awesome. And 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 holding his own. And uh, once you saw him, you're like, okay, yeah, you know, I. You, you mentioned there's a middle schooler, and I'm like, what? I don't <laughs> have time for this. And, and unfortunately, I didn't get to write that story because it was right in the middle of when I was making my move from Fort Worth to come down here to cover A and M. Um, but. We're, we're, we're doing Zooms, we're doing yeah. previews here, and, and uh, I knew that Ken um, had had uh, committed to Vanderbilt uh, a while back, and, and in, in the, the I just forgot about it, and when we were, we were prepping and doing our things, I went, Ken Seal, oh, that's the kid. That guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's gave him. his dad a call, and was he was really gracious, and, and actually got to finally write that story that I've been meaning to write for mm-hmm. five years now, and it just so happens that it's because... He's uh, going to start um, here in his home state about uh, of three hours down the road. And interesting enough, his dad said that um, while well, AM never offered, he was in touch with Daryl Dickey here mm-hmm. at AM, the offensive coordinator. Uh, really like was high on AM. AM was going to take one quarterback in that 2020 class, mm-hmm. and they landed Hayes King, which was the 
uh, best quarterback in the state at a long view. Of yeah, they'll take him. <laughs> class and right, right, and so they um they 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 ended up going that direction. Ken picked uh, Vanderbilt. Uh, his dad said that um you know he with with offers from Princeton and Harvard and Rutgers and Vanderbilt. He's a smart kid, and mm-hmm. his family was saying, "Yeah, I know you want to play big time football, but like." also make this a 40-year decision not a four-year decision and Vanderbilt was kind of the perfect marriage between um great great academic institution and you get to play some of that SEC football and uh the rest is history so it's going to be a crazy day for the Seals they uh they are uh his the youngest son uh Daniel is the is a tight end at Weatherford Mm -hmm. they're getting to play one of the first games in Globe Life Park in Arlington which is the old Texas Rangers ballpark they converted for the XFL and now is a oh wow stadium so mom's going to be at that game dad and sister are going to be down here at kyle to watch the the, the college debut for okay the so the family is allowed yeah yeah okay. they, they have a, a, a small smattering of, of, of tickets that's good uh, that's good to be able to be down here but yeah uh he, he's he's a he's a big kid he's been able to throw the ball a long time he's had college coaches talking about him since he was in in middle school yeah um he, he set a bunch of records at, at weatherford it was his dad's alma mater he, he was at azel his freshman year which is another suburb moved over to weatherford had to sit out a year um but but set a bunch of passing records at weatherford um and uh it was an owen 10 weatherford team uh the year before he got there he took him to the playoffs two years in a row man uh down here and 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 just attracted a lot of attention good kid good family i think he'll be a lot of fun to watch um for, for Vanderbilt fans for, for, for several years to come. And I mean, look around the NFL. I'm, I'm a little biased being from down here, but you can't beat a, a quarterback from Texas, right? Oh no. I mean, with that moxie and the, and the swagger, I, we're ready. Cause you know, we're, we're used to seeing guys like, I mean, we had Kyle Shermer run through here, but he can't run. He couldn't run the ball. Like, like we've seen, you know, Ken seals do. So I got it. I actually had another question uh, regarding Ken in high school, you know, with Weatherford, you mentioned Owen 10 season, you know, the next two years he takes him to the playoffs kind of division is that with Weatherford and what kind of a talent, you know, were, were they facing week in, week out, you know, cause a lot of the film you see, Oh, you know, this is, this is Texas high school football. It's good all across the state. Oh uh, yeah. Weatherford has always been, I, so I'm, I'm going to speak a little bit out of my, 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 my rear here because it has been about four years since I've covered yeah. um, Weatherford and, and, and stuff with the Star Telegram up there, but at least four years ago when I was back there, Weatherford was, I believe in the 6A classification. It's either 5A or 6A. Okay. Those are the top two classifications. I'm, I, and they're playing the the yeah they were in yeah, so they they're up there 6A. Yeah, they were yeah. they were playing the the Arlington schools, the Euless Trinities, the 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 big time big name schools down okay. here. Um, Weatherford hasn't always been a powerhouse. I mean, it, they, they they were you know again an Owen 10 team, mm-hmm. a, a team that was always fighting for. Uh, a playoff berth and so for him to kind of build that team uh a backup around him and make the playoffs two years in a row that, yeah that's um, crazy yeah yeah so we're not talking um small town you, you think weatherford is a small town yeah. but it's so adjacent to fort worth which is one of the the biggest cities in in the country yeah uh, in the dfw metroplex that their 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 district is traveling back into the metroplex and playing schools from fort worth from arlington mm. and there and, and it's it's big time 
big time Texas. Yeah, football. little geography lesson here, uh, here from Trevor <laughs> here out here on the podcast. But I want to stick, stick, you know, keep with Vandy here heading into this season. You know, similar to A and M, they got six opt outs, but they also have five transfers since the spring, three injuries, and they also have one player in quarantine right now. Not sure how much that matters, but uh, what concerns, if any, you know, might might Jimbo Fisher and this staff have in regards to facing a, a quite frankly very depleted Vanderbilt team on Saturday night? I mean, I, I, I think that from an A&M fan's perspective, let's start with that. Uh, I, I think that heading into the game initially, everyone kind of gave a little fist pump because they, they kind of thought, well, we were losing Abilene Christian. We're using, we're losing UNT in the beginning of the season, but, but Vanderbilt's a good place to start. And yeah. I think that you, you, that started before the, the the depleted roster and i so i think from a fan's perspective down here they'd have to say great bring it on this is a great way for the team to kind of build up for the season of course from a from a the team perspective i mean they're they're going to take it as of course as serious as as any anything and and um you don't want to be that team that that starts out 30 point favorites and uh starts the season on on the kind of note where you, where you mm-hmm. lose that kind of game um but yeah, it'll 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 be interesting to see um, how much how much of the offense, how much of the game plan we actually get to see in a game like this. Um, how much of the guys who start in this game and the guys who um, the, the the schemes and the the plays that they use is this going to be how, how vanilla are they going to be against a Vanderbilt team like this? Um, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think A and M is is thirty points better than Vanderbilt. I mean it. Especially right now, with so many, so much uncertainty, Vanderbilt six opt outs, five transfers, and offense with a depleted offensive line. A and M also, you know, five opt outs as well. So I think both teams are looking at this like, all right, let's let's get out of this, you know, limited injuries, and and for A and M, let let's get this win. Vanderbilt, let's let's try to keep this competitive. In terms of that line, do you think they're they're thirty points better than than Vandy? And I the the, the job i don't want to have the pandemic there's a lot of them the job i don't want to have to be is to be a guy in vegas who's setting lines because yeah. get out of vegas I mean, while you can i mean take take and take the the baylor houston game that was supposed to happen yeah uh, where, where it got canceled like just a day, a day before yeah. i mean who who knows what's going to happen who knows who's going to be able to out there playing mm-hmm. coaches aren't going to i i mean it's good for us and it's good for public health. And I'm, I'm actually all for as much transparency as these schools and these coaches can give because it only helps the public and helps the people around them. But also I can see if I'm a coach, why am I telling if my whole, you know, yeah. defensive secondary is depleted or, or whatnot. And and so from that perspective, yeah, who knows who's going to be the favorite. If, if A&M walks in there and their whole, second string defensive lines in or or they have to run in their third string cornerbacks out there because their cornerback room um was 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 hurt then yeah they're they're not 30 point favorites i think the key and then this might be a a, a, a something i'm going to re- regurgitate several times through the remainder of this the key for a m this season this game anything this year is the offensive line if the offensive line can make strides from last year that's going to be the biggest thing to watch. That's going to be the biggest key. If the offensive line has made those strides, then yeah, I could actually see AM being 30 point favorites because they do have a decent amount of depth on defense. Um, but if the offensive line is the same offensive line as two years, past two years, I believe Pro Football Focus put something out that Kellen Mond had the most passing yards of any quarterback in the country um, <laughs> uh, w- while under pressure. 
Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, if that offensive line can can step up and and, and make some strides, yeah, I, I could see them being thirty point favorites. But I, I I don't see that happening in the first game. So it it might be close to that. It, it's probably going to be a blowout if you if you're going to you know nail me to something. But yeah, it just who knows at this point? Who knows? Yeah, no, I mean it just doesn't look good for Vanderbilt. I mean they're they're going to be starting a defensive tackle who usually starts at left guard, and uh, you know they're going to be a, a freshman is going to be protecting Ken Seal's blind side. So hopefully Ken can just get out of this game alive. Uh, and for for A and M, this is kind of a, a little bit more on the fun side. The midnight yell uh, likely not happening Friday night, correct? Uh, it actually is happening. Oh, um, virtually. Yes, virtually. That's what I wanted to get out there. So that means Aggie fans, they'll have to get ready, you know, at home or, you know, wherever, wherever they, uh, they will be. It's going to be a lot different for the fans. I'm wondering, uh, and, and the students, of course, is also, I wonder how, how they will, uh, you know, prepare for something like that and kind of take it. It could be, could, could get dicey Friday night. We'll see. But uh, mm-hmm. is, is there a timetable maybe for a potential return for students at Kyle Field? Uh, well, so, for midnight yellow for games. Well, okay, midnight yell. We know it's not happening, but for games, are are, are they? Are, is there a timetable for students return, or are they allowing them? They are. Let so uh, Texas is at twenty five percent, or most, I believe most all the schools in Texas. Yes, are at yes. Five percent. A and M is at twenty five. Oh, so there will be capacity. students. There will be students. Um, awesome. What they the, the the procedure they allowed them the, the procedure they went through is they got all of the season ticket holders to either opt in or opt out. And mm. the ones that opted in to their tickets, um, basically about the, the remainder of that went to student tickets who bought their student passes. So I think they were looking at, um, they, they were trying to make it to where the same percentage of student tickets that were sold, if it was a sellout, was going to be provided to the students um, at a 25% ratio. And from everything that we've heard, the, the final numbers that have come out, from everything they heard, they, they, they felt pretty successful that they were mm-hmm. getting close to that. So, yes, there will be students. They might not be in the same spots that they normally are right there in the second deck above the, the Big 12 man sign. They might be socially distanced around the stadium. But, yes, there will be students um, throughout throughout the season. And um, from every indication here, they're hoping that, you know, as the season goes along and whatever medical uh, uh processes we can move forward with that they might be able to increase that but yeah the 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 exact percentage of students isn't isn't hasn't been released yet but there will be students at a a reasonably similar percentage in kyle field it's going to be interesting it's going to be weird seeing a massive stadium like kyle field not filled to the brim um you know that's definitely a different site and one of the one of my favorite venues in all college football i can't wait to just get that back on the on the TV screen Saturday night. I want to ask you a couple couple questions here uh, shortly before we close it out, Travis. Texas A&M will win this game if fill, fill in that blank there. What what does A&M have to do to win this game? Like I gave you a little appetizer earlier. It, it, it all it has to go with the offensive line. The uh, the offensive line again, Kellenmon, the quarterback with that had the most uh, pressure yardage um, since 2018, he, there were so many times last season where even against games like UTSA and, and the the the, the yeah. games that there was four, three or four times in the game that he took a shot and you were like, is he, is he going to get up from that? And he did. <laughs> he continued on. He fought through. Um, they have to give him some more time, some more ability to make the, the right decisions and reads. And I, I think if they can do that, it'll show that Kellen Mond is actually a quarterback 
who can win games in this league. I don't think he's the next Johnny Manziel or or a Davey O'Brien winner, but I, I think he's a quarterback that can win games in the SEC, and that all falls on top of the offensive line uh, and what they're able to do. Um, on defense, they really haven't had a strong edge rusher since Miles Garrett, um, and they really need to have some more pressure from the edge. Um, Justin Matabike last year provided that from the middle, from from the defensive tackle position. They have Bobby Brown in there right now that's going to be able to kind of fill those shoes pretty well. But DeMarvin Leal, Michael Clemens, some of these guys on the edge, they really need to get some pressure from the outside on the on the quarterback. And then with Elijah Blades opting out, he was uh, going to be one of their star starting cornerbacks um, in, a, in a cornerback in a defensive secondary. That, that probably wasn't as big of a question mark as the offensive line, but uh, definitely had some room to improve, and uh, if if Ken Seals can step out there and and throw the ball around, um, that might that that was always proven to be the way to beat A and M in the past two seasons was like as a, a team that could actually really throw the ball around, complete some passes, and uh, move the chains through the air. That that might still be the, the the way to do it this season. All right, so there you heard it, Travis. Um, you know, Travis Brown right there. He's got, if, if Ken Seals can, can sling this around, it could give Vanderbilt a chance uh, to, to keep it competitive against A&M Saturday night. Hey, Travis, good luck with your coverage tomorrow. I know you're excited to get back in the booth, uh, you know, along with, with your colleagues there. And, and uh, you know, good luck with, with that story. Can't wait to read that. And, uh, you know, thanks for taking the time uh, here on the Door Report. You got it. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Travis. You got it. That was Travis Brown. He covers Texas A&M athletics for the Eagle as well as AggieSports.com. He formerly worked at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram and ESPN Dallas. He's also a TCU alum, so great to have Travis Brown on the podcast previewing Vanderbilt and Texas A&M. Kickoff is set for 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on SEC Network Alternate. Stay tuned. Can't wait for that one. Coverage continues here with the Door Report. You've been listening to episode 35 of The Door Report, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. Let me correct my mistake there. This is episode 36 of The Door Report. We're moving along here with The Door Report, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring. This episode featured Travis Brown. He covers Texas A&M athletics for the Eagle, as well as AggieSports.com. You've been listening to episode 36 of the Door Report, presented by Alaco Hardwood Flooring.